Welcome back to 5050 Films. I'm Peter. And I'm Autumn. Our schedule is a little bit different this week. Um, I'm going to be out of town next week. So we've been kind of um, pre-watching movies. We like set up a, a different schedule from our usual schedule. Um, so nothing will be different for you if you listen to the podcast regularly. Um, but it's a little bit weird for us because the most recent movie we watched we're actually not going to be talking about until yeah. like we're not even pre-recording really no, just we're just pre-watching. we're just front loading all four movies into like a week span instead of two sorry oh. i dropped a remote for the lamp anyway continue huh um yeah uh so yeah this week we watched three movies we're only to be talking about two Gotcha. Um, so it's it, it's gonna be a little weird, like it like it is during the holidays when we like mix stuff around in yeah. order to. But mostly it's just weird up. for us. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not really weird for anybody else. Go ahead. Okay. So, I picked a movie this week that was short that I thought Autumn would like. Pop star, never stop, never stopping is a 2016 comedy mockumentary film starring Jorma Tacone, Akiva Schaefer, and Andy Samberg. Otherwise known as the Lonely Island. The movie begins in music documentary style with other artists and industry insiders gushing about the group The Style Boys and their headman Connor For Real. The, do- the documentary discusses the origins of The Style Boys, their breakup, and the success of Connor as he attempts his solo career in the launch of his new album, Conquest. <laughs> the new album flops, and the tour takes on a new artist. Hunter the Hungry, which causes more problems for Connor and his longtime friend Owen, another of the original Style Boys. By the end of the film, Connor is reconciled with his friends Owen and Lawrence, the third Style Boys member, and the Style Boys get back together to play the Pop Awards with Michael Bolton. So. I gave this four stars, and Peter gave it four stars as well. Yes. Uh, This is not the first time I saw this. I saw this. I think maybe the year it came out or something uh, was on like Netflix to watch with my buddies, because um, you know we love the Lonely Island. They're it's a hilarious uh, joke you, music band. Can you explain that to me because I the don't Lonely know. Island? Yeah, like when I was looking up things for this movie, I saw that the three of them work together all the time. But mm-hmm. I don't. This is the first time I'm hearing of the. Lonely so Island. the Lonely Island is a band. Um, composed of Andy Samberg, Jorma Tacone, and Akiva Schaefer. Um, and they write mostly, like, I don't, like, joke songs. Like, closer to joke songs. Um, I'm on a boat. Uh, one of them is called Jizz in My Pants. Um, Dick in a Box. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. Um. I don't think so. Is my dick in a box? Actually, uh. What's his name? Who is their chef? Who Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake is, and Andy Samberg sing Dick in a Box. And this, these were songs that, some of them were first um, premiered on SNL uh, during their, like, one, because SNL would, like, do, one of their segments would be, like, a video segment that they would, like, like an internet one, right? Um, so they would, they would play, like, like, the one time Timberlake was on, it was... A whole, the whole him and Andy Samberg singing Dick in a Box together. Um, and these are all like, these are like, they're, they're funny. Like, they're goofy. They're funny. Some of them have better lasting power than others. I Threw It on the Ground is one of their songs. 
Uh, it's it's funny that you haven't heard any of this these. This all and sounds so fake. I'm gonna have to to have you listen to a few. I'm I'm surprised you didn't know about them because if you had if you you told me that I would have we would have played some of their songs before we recorded. Um, but I mean, yeah, they're they're really funny. Uh, and you had heard one or two of the songs um, because I had one of the songs from this movie is on my like playlist that mm-hmm. I play pretty frequently. Um, and it's the, it's the song about the guy who smokes crack because he thinks he's gonna, about to smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets addicted to crack. Uh, and that's, that's, it's funny. It's a really funny song and they, they don't sound bad either. They're mixed really well. Um, but yeah, so the Lonely Island, they're, they're like this musical comedy troupe, right? Gotcha. Um. But that's not what the movie is about. <laughs> no. The movie is about if they were a musical comedy, if if they were a actual boy band that had gotten like super popular and yeah. then broke up, like it's it's all the same characters, the same people. Um, it's very good. Uh, there's a lot of uh, actors, not actors. There's a lot of musicians that show up in this movie because it is that music mockumentary style, right? So it's something like like this is in the in the same vein as like this is Spinal Tap. Or any of the shows that you, or the, like, shows and books that you like. Yeah, um, Daisy Jones and the Six. Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, that Frankie Presto one. Mm-hmm, Magic Strings of Frankie Magic, yeah, Presto. Yeah, where, where, like, these stories that are, like, they're presented as mockumentaries. Um, another one that's a comedy one that we will end up probably watching at some point is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Um, that one stars... Uh, Oh, I'm I'm dying because I just I just forgot his name. The guy who always hangs up with Will Ferrell, um, John C. Riley. Yes. John C. Riley is the main character. He plays Dewey Cox in the in Walk Hard. Um, and it's so good. Uh, so like, this is this is always a fun genre because you do end up seeing a lot of artists that you're like, oh shit, really? <laughs> and for you. We saw what like five ultra famous people, including Ringo Starr, That's in the, the first one that like blows ten me minutes. Away. I was like, they I got... cannot believe they got Ringo Starr to do this. <laughs> yes, and and at some point, I don't know if it was stock footage they used from an award show or something, but we did also see um, Paul McCartney towards in the, the crowd. end in a yeah. crowd. <laughs> it's oh like, my gosh, it was awesome. <laughs> Quest Love Quest took Love. his role in this so seriously. Yeah. He was so convinced out of anyone i mean they were all so so convincing mm-hmm. but the the points that quest love would make like that he was like really looking into their history and like oh my gosh he was just uh, he had he had me convinced like whenever he was on the screen i was like wow this is real yeah <laughs> i mean it, it's it's so good um and it, it's just it's fun it's only like an hour and 20 minutes long like, it's not like a, a heavy time sink or anything like that you get into the funny stuff very quickly um, do you have the other actors up here? Uh, some of the other characters we see, some of the other actors we see, we see Tim Meadows, who's in a bunch of stuff. He is very common in, I think he might also be in Dewey Cox, oh, like okay. in, in Walk Hard, um, as the, is the, Dewey, you don't want to do these drugs with us. <laughs> like, um, it, it, it's, it's so funny. Maya Rudolph's in this, Joan Cusack, um, and uh, who was the... Oh, yeah. I, I was super happy to see James Buckley. I love James Buckley. He's in the in-betweeners. Um, and I just... I, I was like... I totally forgot he was in this movie as, like, one of the, one of the like, groupie guys that Connor has hired. 
Um, Sarah Silverman plays his agent as well. Yes. Um, and Justin these... Timberlake is the chef, as we have alluded yep. to. Justin Timberlake is their chef. Um, they're friends. Uh, Andy Samberg and Timberlake are friends. It was, was that funny. scene was so funny because he he was just kind of like singing one of their songs to himself by the side, and they were like, "Dude, shut up! Like nobody wants to hear you sing." So, as this movie progresses, like what what were your? I mean, you're you were originally like, "This is amazing!" I'm, I'm I can't believe we haven't watched this before. In in hindsight, I think that those interviews with musicians makes this movie Mm -hmm. i think without that this would be a fine movie but it wouldn't be as good as it is yeah um because that like the seriousness with which these professional musicians are talking about these horrible stupid songs is just like the most comedic part of the whole movie and it makes you more interested in what's actually going on with all of the guys. Yeah. Um, Fallon pretending he's super excited to do the donkey roll with the style yeah, boys. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny to see how Connor is like, so he doesn't want to be a style boy anymore. Like he wants to move move on and do yeah. his own thing. But everyone's like so attached to this one thing he did. I I cannot pretend I know what it feels like to be in a successful boy band and then try to make your own career. But I feel like that's probably a pretty common thing or even as like you think about actors like daniel radcliffe who are like tied to such an iconic character like it must be so hard to like try and move on and do something else and have people just sort of like pull you back it's like no you're this guy um so it's interesting to have that like that frustration in a character who is essentially like a baby (laughs) and so he just he was so like frustrated to just throw his fit um in this movie, a lot of this movie is just about Connor learning how to, like, be a better friend, because he's a shitty friend. Um, yeah. I felt so bad for Owen the whole time. Yeah, because... he just constantly shits on Owen. And it just gets worse and worse. Like, it's not so great for Owen. He's sad the Style Boys broke up, but he's, like, happy to do Connor's beats. Then for the new album, Connor's like, you can't do my beats anymore, because I'm, like, trying to move on. He's like, okay, but he's DJing at his tour, and then his... DJing is just literally like playing something on an iPod and then on top of that Connor decides that he needs to wear a helmet so now it's not even like his face it's just he just is constantly and you feel bad for him because he is so like I don't know like he's just so forgiving and he just wants he still wants to be Connor's friend it's very sad but obviously it works out (laughs) or or, uh or when uh Connor feeds him and the other two guys. Oh my gosh! Uh, pancakes with dog shit in them, uh, and he's like, he's like, he's like, how are the pancakes? <laughs> and of course, James Buckley and the other and the other guy are like, they're great, yeah. And Owen's like, these are awful. This is disgusting. He goes, good, you passed. He's like, why? Why do I need to pass? Like we've been we've been best friends for like since we were kids. Like I I can't believe you would put me in with these guys. And, like, test me like that. I'm so glad that he, like, let that be his breaking point and didn't continue to, like, be his lackey for the rest of it. Because that was very, like, literally, quite literally shitty yeah. of him. Uh, and then Lawrence and Connor have had this, like, beef going on for a while because Lawrence wrote the rap that made Connor famous enough to launch his own solo career it was like this catchphrase rap so it was just like here are all these all are all things that could be catchphrases just say them all 
in one rap. And they had DJ Khaled comment on that, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, the, the king um, of the catchphrase. Yeah. Um, and so then we just keep getting these clips throughout the movie of Lawrence. Like, he has, like, gone off to work on a farm. And he's got this, like, big beard. And, yeah. Like, yeah. He's got this, yeah, he's, like, living in a cabin and stuff. <laughs> and, like, with this, like, little wood shop. Talking about living and working on a farm. And then when they finally visit his farm, he they, they, they like, they, like, kind of make up a little bit. And they're like, well, you grow out here anyway. And they walk over a hill. And it's this massive weed Farm. This is a huge weed farm complex with like forty different workers tending the field, and that he's in charge. Yeah, of. yeah the, and he's the boss. He's like, all right, guys, I'm gonna head out and go do some stuff. Uh, I want you guys, you know, figure finish it up here. Uh, we're have a great season. <laughs> like, like he's like, you like, you think he's just some little podunk farmer? He's like, no, it's just a gigantic farm yeah, of weed. He's big time. No, oh, that's so good. Yeah, it was good. It was, I mean, Peter referenced this. I did say this is the best thing I've ever watched, like, five times while we watched it, but that's not necessarily true. It's it's one of those movies where it was so fun yeah, it, in it, the moment. It's, 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 it's so good. Like, it's, it's not, of course, like, it's not like a cinematic masterpiece or anything like that. But for as comedy movies go, it's pretty damn funny, and it, it does the job, right? And it's accessible. Yes. That's what, I love a comedy movie that I, you can watch with, like, a myriad of different people, and everyone would, like, find something funny about it. I feel like that's important. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say, because, again, it's not a very deep movie. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, who was the, who was, I mean, was Ringo your favorite, like, guest your your favorite yeah. guest mostly just because i was shocked him and, him and Questlove that he was there yeah Questlove, of course there in an interview capacity and in the fact that he is the head of Questlove and the roots right uh, that on fallon's show yeah they do have a like they, they recorded in fallon's studio for part of it um who else was on there who else yeah well seal showed up to sing yes, at his he's wedding a character um do they even have them all carrie underwood oh Nas, usher Usher, <laughs> uh, Usher, Usher goes. Man, the Star Wars movie but maybe want to dance. Yeah, and <laughs> he comes. Just... He comes out and does the donkey roll at the ending scene, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, it was. It was so good. Too yeah. funny. Emma Stone sings something at some point. Um, oh man, there's just there was a lot of people yeah. that they got. Where's Snoop Dogg pops oh, I in about that. towards the end as a person who's doing a third like documentary, like three documentary uh-huh. groups bumping around each other. Um, yeah. It was good. It, it was, was very fun. good. It's, it's, it's a super fun movie. It's super short, and it's worth the watch. I did not watch any movies on my own this week. I don't think I did either. I think I almost did with Paul, but we got the days mixed up, so we ended up just watching some TV. Well, that means we can start this off with our review of The Book of Boba Fett. Yes! Now that we've finished it. I mean, this one's not going to be as involved as our other reviews, I don't think, because it's not a long series. Yeah. It's a little... little, And we've already talked about... There was one episode where we went a little bit more in-depth. I feel like we had just finished episode three. You talked quite a bit about the the Vespas Peters and... um, Oh my god, those were so stupid. But yeah, Yeah. we said we were going to finish it at the end of last week, um, and we did end up finishing it, which was very exciting. Um, I was very excited... Well, I should say, if you have not watch the book of boba fett like hit fast forward a couple times Mm -hmm. if you don't want to be spoiled so we'll give you a second to do that 
There's a baby Rancor fight. Oh, yeah, that was fun. And I I was so excited to see Grogu back. <laughs> Grogu back. Yeah, Grogu and the Mandalorian show back up. In fact, I would argue that they are the main characters <laughs> of the, the second half of the series. Um, and it was so good, but I was so confused. Like, I, I kept asking Peter, I was like, where is Boba Fett? But it wasn't necessarily, like, a bad thing. Like, I really enjoyed what we were watching, but I was I was just constantly like, did we click on the right show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really, it really, it, it goes back to Din Djarin. It's and, not... And people told us, like, you hit this point, like, it's it's the Mando stuff. You gotta watch it before you watch season three. Um, but I didn't realize it was, like, if I had known it was, like, full Mando episodes, I would have never argued to not watch Boba Fett. Like, yeah. If I would have known that, like, he was the star of the last three episodes, would have made sure we watched those. Yeah. Which we did. Like, but. the whole thing explains why Grogu's not going to be a Jedi. He's not going to be a Padawan. He is going to be... He is sticking with being a Mandalorian foundling, um, and rolling around with his buddy, and now he's in the astromech compartment of a, uh, of a heavily modified N1 starfighter, um, which is really cool. Um, okay, so... There's one thing, this isn't really a nitpick, and I'm not really complaining about it, but I think it is funny that Disney has... So, okay, so, you know, George Lucas had good ideas for parts of this for parts of the franchise, um, and then parts of it, he just, you know, were just, like, weird. George Lucas is a weird dude. Um, and that's not always... Not, and not good weird all the time. Like, sometimes it's bad weird. Um as we'll talk about next week. Um, but, uh, <laughs> hint, spoiler. Um, what he does, what, what he did in the original trilogy is Boba Fett's Starfighter, because technically the Fire Spray gunship is a Starfighter. It's not a gunship class. It's a Starfighter. Or an escort, or like a pursuit ship, right? Um, the Fire Spray 31 is that, that that Boba Fett owns was the same one that his father owned and it's called the Slave One. Just called the Slave One. Disney, in this whole series, at no point, and he, there's a whole plot line where he's trying to get his, his fire spray gunship back. He does not say Slave One once. The Lego sets for this series say Boba Fett's Starfighter. They do not say Slave One. Disney is ignoring the fact that, the, ignoring the name of the ship. I mean, yeah, it is a, that's a term that yeah, you, you can might see be where a little, you can see from. why they wouldn't want to see it. But like, that's like, that. that's a, you know, the, the ship was called the Slave One. I don't know if anybody complained about that for the first six movies of it existing. Or, he's, he's not in episode three, but you know what I mean? Like, or episode one. But still, like nobody, nobody had complained. I don't think. I, I mean, maybe people did. Maybe I wasn't in the, the echo chambers that they would have complained about uh, a name of a ship being Slave One. In, um, I'm not sure why the ship is named Slave One. I didn't dig that deep into the lore, um, but I did think that that it was funny because like they will put the name of every other ship on the Lego set in the you know on the box. Um, it, that almost seems like the same kind of like. It's not whitewashing, but like, uh, like, 
I don't know, bland washing or just like making something like less uh, potentially um, problematic. problematic. Um, because it, you know it's it's not like it's a slave vessel. Like it's no, it isn't. He's a bounty hunter. He does not enslave people. Yeah. It'd be interesting if they would have like come up for a new name for it and kind of discussed like, oh, it used to be called this and now it's called yeah. this because, um, like within the story, people would have actively complained about that though. I think. Th- yeah, that would have been true. the that would have been the hardcore diehard fans have been like why are you why why bother renaming it is are you trying to like get away from woke cancel culture or whatever and like very clearly that is why they they did not just yeah name the ship at all but like at the same time like I don't know if anyone would have I mean I'm sure there are people that people that would have tried to cancel it for having the, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me. yeah um but like. Yeah, that's one of those, like, in the same vein as them not using the word jihad at all in, in Dune. You've now, we're going to spoil yeah, a little bit of a spoiler. Yeah, we can talk about that later, but... They, did, they do say that a lot in the book, don't they? I wouldn't say a lot, okay. but a few times. It is, yeah, it is discussed. And one of the books is called The Butlerian Jihad. Yeah, it might, down the line. it might go on more yeah. after the first book, but yeah. So, but anyway, um, that, it seems like like we're like we're trying to not use that term because people might be reactionary to that term. Like, was I don't know. For me, for me, I was like, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> as, as a guy who's always been a Star Wars fan, like, I get it. I get why they would re- like neglect to say the name of the ship. Yeah. But also, I, I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, just <laughs> grow some balls and say the name of the starship. It's not like it's like. Some absolutely horrible, like, super... Der- like, the term slave is not inherently derogatory, right? To talk about that. Like, that, that, that is, it is not like a, you know... Particularly know. in a fictional world. Yes, in, a fi- in, a, in fiction worlds, there are slaves all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, on Tatooine, like, there are slaves. Mm-hmm. P- people have slaves on Tatooine. Like, they just get, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know. And, and maybe I need to look into the lore of why it was named that. It used to have, actually, I don't think it used to have a different name. I guess what he named it. Um, I know it was stolen by Django Fett. Uh, that, that, that gunship is like stolen. It's like he stole it and made it mm-hmm. his own after his other ship was destroyed or whatever. But I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Well, my favorite part was when Grogu had to decide what he was going to do, and his choices were Yoda's lightsaber. If he wanted to continue his Jedi training, or Mando had a little Beskar heavy metal uh, (laughs) grunge goth chainmail shirt. You mean grunge goth? It's just a chain shirt. It's not. (laughs) It was. I I expected to be some sort of armor. Yeah. But it is like a. It's armor. Like mesh. Well, yeah, yeah it's, sure. it's edgy. Chainmail is small, edgy. okay? <laughs> and it's it's Beskar, so it should give him the equal amount of protection against like slashing and stuff like that. But I mean, what what are they going to put on that little guy? You can't put a helmet on him. His ears are too well, big. Well, of course not. But I I didn't think it was going to have holes in it. Not that it matters necessarily because of what it is yeah. and because he wears it under his clothes anyway. Shirt. But anyway, I thought that was really cute and fun, but also that the symbolism of it was really neat. Like him having to make this big choice, but I'm so excited that he's he's gonna be back with Mando because they're just yeah. the best team. I was also very annoyed with with Luke about that. I was like, just give him the lightsaber. Who gives a shit? Like, it, it's Yoda's lightsaber. Yoda's not gonna give it. Yoda's probably yeah. ex- 
Yoda's ghost is probably ecstatic that another one of Yoda's Yoda's like people exists. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's the book of Boba Fett. Um, we, as far as like other TV together, we've been watching some. We watched two of the weirdest. Well, one of the weirdest episodes of Atlanta ever, and then another kind of weird episode of Atlanta. Teddy Perkins. Yeah. Oh. The creepy Atlanta episode with the murder suicide at the end. I was so excited to have a Darius, a Darius, a Darius yeah. based episode because I love Darius, and it ended up being like the weirdest non Darius episode. <laughs> it the, could have uh, been the description I saw, um, online when I looked up the Teddy Perkins thing was um, was maybe maybe they should just stay at home. because yeah. <laughs> Darius and Paperboy. Both have, like, in the past couple episodes that they've gone out, have yeah. just had the shit kicked been out attacked, of them, essentially. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Very true. But yeah, so we've been watching some of that. Finished Boba Fett, watched some of that. Um, I'm going on my trip, and then after, you know, things settle back down again, I think we're going to start Mando Season 3. It's all out now, so that'll be all good. Yeah, um, yeah. We also watched the stand-up Randy Feltface Purple Privilege. Which Peter you did. Liked. Purple privilege. And I fell you asleep, asleep during... because you don't love me and you don't care about the movies I pick. <laughs> I do. Or I the do. Stand up. I, I thought the Catholic jokes were very funny. Yeah. I. They I, were very funny. I I admire <laughs> anyone who and obviously like Peter and I are Catholic and we grew up Catholic so like it just hits it's different. Um, but I I just admire anyone who can like joke about religion in a way that's like not offensive it's just matter of fact like i i forget what his exact joke was but it was something along the lines of like as a child he learned that you know god was his best friend yeah but it was it was something like you have to you have to like eat the body of christ do all these other things because before you were born you you were bad and you sinned and and now like, because to avoid going to hell from a sin you committed before you were born. Yeah. And then, and he goes, he's like, all the Catholics in the audience are laughing at this right now. And everyone who's done is like, no, nah, that can't be right. <laughs> yeah. So I did think that part was funny. I fell asleep when he started talking about going into the woods. So I don't really remember that See, part. So what I, my experience with Randy specials um, is the stuff on YouTube is always the funniest shit. Like the, the, the blips, you know, the little mm-hmm. like blurbs. Um, and then he gets, like, a little philosophical in his specials amidst the jokes. Yeah. It's like, he's, like, thinking about, like, purpose in life and how we are as people and, like, what we do. Which is ironic considering he's a puppet. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But, uh... That reminds me, one of the best jokes was he was trying to get an audience response and he accidentally didn't look at anybody. (laughs) He goes, hello, what's your name? And there's, like, a dead silence beat and he's like... I'm looking right down the fucking aisle, Anna. <laughs> and then they turn the house lights on. He turns he's the, like, he's oh, like, they turn the house on. Did Trevor just turn the house lights on? <laughs> I don't think he, like, he waves the, the puppet's hand across the yeah. puppet's face. He's like, I don't think that's going to help me very much. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I, 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 love, I love those specials. There are a couple other ones, too, I think, that we can end up watching. One of them is called The Book of Randicus. Um, and I forget the other one is, maybe it's like my, I think it's an older one from before, uh, Randy writes a novel, which I've seen, so I won't make you go through, because it is another one of the, 
There are some funny parts, and I think you've seen the funniest bit, which is the Randy buys a bookshelf off Gumtree. Yeah, I have um, seen that. That is part. that is the funniest. The second funniest part of that is his him relaying the life of Ernest Hemingway. Um, you've shown me that too. Yeah, I showed you that too. <laughs> so you've seen the funniest parts of that. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't make you watch the, the philosophical parts in the middle. But uh, no, I I love Randy. We I almost had an opportunity to go see him like two years ago, and I really regret not being able to do that. However, in that same vein, in our part of the world, Russell Howard's gonna be bopping around and doing doing some tour. So uh, we're gonna go see that in a few months. Yeah, we're really excited, and uh, we're really pumped. I saw on the way back from work, I saw the the billboard outside or the like electronic billboard outside the place. And I was like, "Holy shit! I gotta tell Adam as soon as I get in the house. Like, <laughs> we, we, we gotta go see Russell Howard immediately." If you've listened to the podcast, you know how much we loved both the Russell Howard specials we've seen. I love them and the panel shows I see him in. Whenever I watch those, I don't watch them as much anymore, but when I do see them, they are funny. Like, oh, that dude's awesome. I cannot wait to be relatively close to the stage in the orchestra and be, like, watching. Yeah, and neither of us have ever seen stand-up live. No. So I'm so excited that we're going to be going to see someone we both really love as our first, like, stand-up experience in person. Oh, so exciting. Um, For TV separately, I've still been watching Cheers, still on season three. Um, It's... It's still, you know, good, cozy, all the things I say every week. But I also started the show The Tudors on uh, Amazon Prime. I watched Rain, which is based on Mary Queen of Scots with my mom when I was in high school, I think. And I love that show so much and we never finished it. Um, And I'm always like, oh, I want to rewatch it and like get to the part I haven't seen. But it's like this back and forth of like, but it would take so long to get there, but also I don't remember enough to just start where I would have left off. Like, I just don't know, but I, like, remember enough of it that it might be annoying to rewatch it. Like, I just go back and forth. Um, so when I saw The Tudors, when I was trying to, like, find a new new show to watch, um, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like, similar vibes, similar time period, totally new show. Um, and so far, it's been really fun. It It is um, focusing on is it henry the eighth who had all the wives yeah yeah that's what i thought henry the eighth um and right i have only two episodes in so right now he's married to Catherine of argon and he is he is aware of who anne bolin is but like she hasn't necessarily like started trying anything um yet and yeah it's so fun i just i love court intrigue and politics and when are we gonna watch bridgerton when are you going to pick us watch Bridgerton? Maybe next. It, I have, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do next, but yeah, we would like to watch Bridgerton at some point too. I'd like to see that. I mean, I, I've heard good things about it. But it's got some actors from Sex Education in it that I really like. Yeah, I'm not super far, um, but it's really, really. I, uh, I just like I said, I love I love the politics. I love the like who's sleeping with who and what does that mean for like who has power. And, you know, who is, people are always lying all the time. It's like, who broke their prom, uh, so good. Anyway, what are you watching? I am watching Mashal, still, uh, the Magic and Muscles anime. I'm watching, uh, I guess that other anime, I don't know if I watched any episodes of it last week. Uh, and we're watching Mob Psycho 100, because I 
was supposed to watch it with my buddy, and we just never, we, like, fell off of it for a bit because of a bunch of stuff. Um, so Mob Psycho, I'm going to watch a bunch of in the coming week. Um... Because Sunday's not going to be here, and I'm going to have a lot of a lot of media time. I know we're going to come back. Our media break's going to be like forty minutes. It's yeah, all going it, to be Peter. It, the whole podcast <laughs> is going to be media break, and it's going to be me going. I read this, and I watched this, and I read this, and I watched this. <laughs> um, and then I also watched the first two episodes of History of the World Part Two. Mel Brooks, the uh, comedy genius. Um, of Blazing Saddles and um, uh, Spaceballs and History of the World Part One um, has was offered by Hulu. They were like, "Hey, um, they, there's jokes at the end of History of the World Part One uh, um, that are like, hey, come see History of the World Part Two, and then there's a bunch of stuff, and there's like a future section with like it's, it's called like Jews in Space or whatever. It was very funny." Um, and that's a great movie. It's super, it's super good. Uh, and so I guess someone at Hulu uh, approached him and it was like, Hey, Mel, Mel Brooks, um, would you be okay if we made History of the World Part 2, but as a little mini series on Hulu instead of a movie form? Is Quinta Brunson in that? I think so, probably. Yeah, I, th- I thought I saw uh, I don't know if I, we might have seen her. There was a lot, um... Your your boy, um, uh, which one? The the guy from Mindy Project that you, the, the, Ike Barinholtz. Ike Barinholtz is in it as General Grant right now, and in other roles. Um, I've seen uh, Danny DeVito. I've seen uh, Nick Kroll. Um, there's a lot of people in this one. A lot of comedy actors have like have were, were wanted to be in on this. Um, so it's like it's like a lot of sketches from Mel Brooks. Um, the only one that they did, that they, his, his stipulation was, you can make it, but you can't reuse any of the jokes. And the only, the only one that they've reused so far, and he's, he does the, the voiceover too, so they, it was Hitler on Ice <laughs> was the joke, and he goes, he goes, hey, I thought we said we weren't reusing jokes! And, and then the whole thing was, it's Hitler on Ice, but as he's, as, as, as a guy, you know, a guy dressed up as Hitler doing, like, uh, ice or figure figure skating on the ice and the the whole joke is the guys who are judging him are just like constantly shit talking him because he's hitler um and like calling him a piece of shit it was very funny i have to watch this there are so many so many there, actors there are in this. a lot of great people in here um quinta brunson is in it but so is tyler james williams who is also ronnie chang ronnie chang plays, josh gad uh, is is william shakespeare kubla khan oh my gosh yeah um who else was on here um colton don Kumail. from Superstore. Kumail's in it. Yep. Taika Waititi. Yeah. This. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. It is. It is a. That. It is a powerhouse of like. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the guy shows up as Rasputin. You know. I mean, it's 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 very it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, those are the three like sh- those are the shows that I watched. This gotcha. Week. Um, I finished two books this week. So I'm finally, like, making progress again, which feels really good. Um, I finished the audiobook for It Happened One Summer, which was just, like, a fishing town romance story. Um, a lot of people have compared it to Schitt's Creek. I have not watched Schitt's Creek, so I can't, like, accurately talk about whether that is a good comparison or not. But it is, like, rich girl banished to this this town and kind of has to... I, I liked it because it had a lot of really great themes of, like, 
I don't know. I'm, I personally am very curious into like what the world would be like without social media <laughs> and, and certain fa- facets of it. And it was this girl who like before only ever made money like on Instagram kind of learning like maybe I don't actually care about any of that stuff and I'd rather just like walk my old neighbor to the lighthouse every day so I can help him get up the stairs and read his paper. Like it was a, a good romance story, but it also like surprised me in like the fun just like quaint seaside life um, aspects of it and the deeper themes of like, how about I just enjoy my life for what it is. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. And because of that, I immediately started the sequel. Um, Romance novels do this a lot where it's the next one will be based on like existing characters. So this will be um, the main character from the last one's sister, Hannah, who's really into like music and records and stuff. So I'm excited to keep going on with that. I'm hoping to listen to it on my drive, um, on my trip next week. And I finished Dune, which we already talked about a little bit. Um, And I did want to say to you, Peter, that there is a line in the first book that says, like, long live the fighters, specifically. Is it really? Yep. Which I I was kind of surprised about. And they might might say long live the jihad in in other, you know, in other books, later versions, but they're... There was a line that said that. Overall, originally I wasn't going to rate this. And then I thought over it a little bit more, and I do feel like this is a four-star book for me. Are going to give it a rating? Yeah, I don't think it's it's as hard to rate as I thought it might be. I just need to sit with it a little bit yeah. longer. Um, I really like this story. I am glad I read the book, but I did like the movie a lot better. Yeah. Just because I feel like this is it's such an action-packed story like yeah. it just translates better on screen i feel um i shouldn't say that like as a hard and fast rule i like the new movie i haven't seen any of the older stuff um i know peter said there's a lot of um criticism about older you know adaptations of dune i do think that the new one is a really good adaptation and yes. i feel like it focuses on a lot of the important stuff. Um, what threw me off in the book was like the first two parts are in one kind of time period where the main character, Paul Atreides, is 15. And then in the third book, which is like pretty short, and I, I, I say book like part, it's the third part, um, it time skips like three years and he mm. has a son and he is like, yeah. you know, basically his father where he like has this lover and he's trying to decide if like he should make her his wife, but like for political reasons that might be not be the right call and like, um, it's very interesting, and the politics of it are what I think made it work for me mm-hmm. as as a sci-fi, and the fact that it really does take place on Arrakis basically the whole time. Like the first little bit is on Caladan, but yeah. then they're back on Arrakis, or just, then just they're like on the Arrakis. Movie. Like it's it's the the introduction to House Atreides is on their home planet. Yeah, but yeah, the uh, the mo- like the the story is. Yeah. Is in is on Arrakis. I talked to Peter a little bit about this already, but like there were some aspects where they like the way that women were spoken about or portrayed was a little bit uncomfy. Um, in a way that was like I think Frank Herbert thought he was being really like progressive and like pro women, <laughs> but it was also still the fifties, so like even progressive and pro women in the fifties is like not at all now. So it just felt like a little bit that's like an interesting that's an interesting like you know uh analogy to like modern day you know um trying to think like like the stuff that we find 
to be progressive like like how how that stuff how that stuff progresses itself mm-hmm. throughout like like the stuff that would have been like like it's like a political scale right mm-hmm. like even like the the right you know like just the concept of the right if you are in the UK the people who are on the right in the UK the conservatives are like in the middle in the United States <laughs> like like they might they might be like you know more xenophobic and have those problems that that like you know some some parts of the United States would have but like like their policy stuff yeah. like the conservative policy in the UK and the conservative policy in the United States are so far apart that it makes it makes like UK conservative politicians look like 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 liberal conservative politicians in in the US and then you you see that yeah like as throughout history like you know you see like in the 50s like like you said progressive in the 50s still kind of problematic now because it's like oh that's a little weird and it's interesting that that's evident in a work of like high fantasy fiction yeah um because it's not like like this is not a commentary on women's rights by any means like Mm -hmm. it is a story meant to entertain um so it's interesting how there are aspects of that yeah there as well um if this is a commentary on anything i think it's the fact that at that point we had a lot of uh, State Department interests in the, like in like Saudi Arabia and mm-hmm. in the different parts of the Middle East, um, and I think I think he did write that with that with that in mind. Where we are seeing like a, like, you know, more like nomadic people's society right. rebel against this like fascist conquering of their planet. Essentially, um, I liked where the first movie cut cut it off yeah and i'm interested to see what the second movie is going to look like now Mm -hmm. because so much of what they showed in the trailer for the second movie is like right away in in the first book after um where the first movie ended yeah Um, writing the yeah and i like i was nervous i was gonna finish this first one and the story would not feel complete because i didn't have any intentions on reading any of the other ones um but it does wrap up really well as just one book. So if I, honestly, I can't even say like, oh, I'm never going to read the other ones because like two years ago, I would have told you like, I will never read Dune. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I said, I've got my audiobook, and then um, physically I'm reading Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler, I believe is her last name. Yes. Um, which is a short literary fiction about a woman and her mental health. Litfic is my favorite genre. It's a short book. It's a book of the month. And um, Dune was a TBR takedown book for me. I try to read one TBR takedown, one book of the month each month. So if I get this done, I will have not read as many books as I usually do this month, but still completed all the goals that I wanted to. Okay, talk about your books. This is the longest media break ever, but that's fine, because I don't think we're going to have a lot to say about the next movie. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, it's 50-50 films, but really we just talk about what we watched, read, and listened to, and played over the week, and the movies movies take the back burner. Um, I read a lot uh, this week. I read some more chapters of The Singing Wilderness. Um, My mom couldn't understand me say that. Uh, in the last, in the last episode. episode. The, singing the Singing Wilderness. Um, Sometimes we talk by, a little fast. By Sigurd F. Olsen. Uh, so that's... Every chapter is like a breath of fresh air. Like, I actually, like, I was, like, feeling a little overwhelmed at work just because 
I don't know, it was uncomfortable in the one chair I had to sit in. Um, and I, like, went back to my desk for, like, five minutes and read one of the chapters. And it was, like, I just, like, and my, and of course, my desk chair in the back was cool. So that was, that also helped. But, like, it was, like, a, just read about this guy, talk about, like, the wounds on the lake where he was, like, fishing. Um, so good. He's, he writes so, my dad would really, would really appreciate this book. Um... And yeah, so there was that. I read The Epic of Gilgamesh. Very short. I like the Ramayana better, but I also understand that The Epic of Gilgamesh is like the, not the first recorded thing we've seen written, but like the first like example of like written down fictional like writing, essentially. Because all the other tablets that were like written in like linear A, linear B were like records, you know, records and one curse. Um, so this is like the first actual story that somebody wrote down, which is really neat. Um, and it, it was, it's interesting enough, you know, you get, you get those little bits of, it's very short. I mean, like after you get through the introduction, the actual story itself is only like 50 pages long and it's like small pages. Um, so that was really good. I also read Flatland, uh, by, and I shouldn't have said by cause I don't actually know the guy's name. Um, but it was, that was a, a book written by a schoolmaster. Um, in 1884, uh, he's a British schoolmaster, and he had written a lot of other like actual scholarly works. So he wrote it under a pseudonym because he didn't want people to discredit his actual scholarly writing because he wrote a bit of fiction. Um, funnily enough, uh, it is incredibly high concept when it comes to um, our thoughts on how dimensions work and our and like the idea of beings from different dimensions interacting with each other. Um, the concepts of the sort of fourth dimension and dimensionality would have been, would have existed at that time, but they would not have been deeply discussed and it, it wouldn't have been a, a, the book calls it a household term, but I believe this book was written in the fifties when people actually like read books. Um, so I think America might be dumber than we were in the fifties in that regard. Like, because people, you know, we were, we were in the, we were in competition with the Soviet Union at that point. We're not competing with anybody right now. So we, you know, we've lost that sort of edge. And I talked about that in a previous podcast, far previous. But, um, I, th I think this is very interesting. So the first half of the book, in my opinion, was very dull. It is, which is funny because it is the history of Flatland, essentially. And he's sort of talking about how everything works there. And I felt like I picked that up pretty quickly and I didn't really need the constant explanation of like, well, this is how a man determines what another man's shape is because they, they only see in two dimensions. So everything looks like lines to them essentially, but they can feel things or uh, it, was, it was weird. It was dumb. It wasn't dumb. It's not dumb. <laughs> it, it just, it was dull. It was dull. What was, what I thought was fascinating is the second half of the book when it's because the, the main character is a square right um where he's talking about encountering someone from spaceland which is the 3d world which is our world essentially it is a sphere that like begins to talk to him uh from outside of his his view because he's outside of the the plane that he lives on because he's lived in three dimensions mm -hmm. um and then how this this the sphere eventually um when he like gets exasperated picks the main character up and and like tilts him so that he can see down onto his world and see it all from the top view 
right? Uh, the, the mantra is upward, not northward, because only the cardinal directions exist in Flatland because you can only go, you know, mm. you can only move in two dimensions. Um, so he, like, shows him that world. And then um, the really funny thing is after, after having learned this in an analogy form, like, figured it out, he posits to the 3D guy, the space lander, the sphere, um, what would happen if there was... Because because whenever whenever the sphere goes through his world, he only sees a slice, like a, a circle. He sees a circle as the sphere moves through his plane, and he goes, "Well, what if somebody moved through your plane?" And the sphere's like, "That's impossible. You're 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 crazy. Like that's that's nuts. That that's that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what you're trying to say." And uh, it's really funny to see like he posits the whole like, "What if a four dimensional being was here?" And that 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 kind of goes into our world right like if we were to encounter a four-dimensional being we would only be seeing a vertical slice of it at any given time and it would be in the function of like if if you were a four-dimensional being i would see this right now but as you move through the plane my view of you would change and it would look wrong because it would change in a way that we're not used to because you're moving through time so I would be seeing you move through time and you're like your expression like would change and things like that, but it wouldn't be in a natural way. And it, it's that half of the book, I was I was like fully in and just like reading, like, you know, like enraptured in like the concept of that, which is that's why that book exists. And that is like it's so good. The first part is just there, you know, but that second part is really like, oh, shit, like that's actually okay, that's a really cool concept. Like, four-dimensional beings are wild. Um, so that was really neat. Uh, and the, the other cool part about that is it was written in 1884. It was written in 1884, um, which is far before Einstein did any of his general theory of general relativity stuff where he would have, where he also, like, posited on that kind of thing and before Stephen Hawking would have talked about fourth-dimensional beings. So, like, this is, like, one of those seminal works for that concept um, done at a time before that concept was really talked about in depth by scientists written by a non-scientist person who managed who who basically just came up with all this was like yeah okay and like like did all the theory crafting behind this without having like studies and studies and like actual you know which is that's really neat like that one guy was like oh and like figured it all out before anyone had really studied studied it <sighs> i've also been reading manga lots of manga um I finished Oshinoko, which I've talked about. At this point, it is not weird anymore. It is it is literally a revenge plot. Um, both of the siblings are trying to they're trying to kill their father because he is and he has been depicted as a at this point in the story. Um, spoilers if you haven't finished Oshinoko. Uh, it, he he went from being a guy who got their mother killed to he's probably a serial killer. So um, I didn't like that. I thought that that kind of cheapened the story a little bit, but. They're, they're going to make a movie about her life and try to call him out to, to call him out to make him to like so that they can take him out, I guess, is the thing. Um, still very interesting, uh, but now i got to wait for it bi-weekly. Um, and then uh, I read the first, chap the first part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I don't know when I'm going to read the second part. First part was fine. I've heard that like the whole concept and story changes in the part three. It goes from one power type to a fully different type of powers that everyone likes much better. So that's something. Um, but I'm, I'm not feeling a lot of momentum on JoJo's right now. And because it's easily digestible, I'm going to do that in smaller chunks. 
Um, and then I've also, I started Black Clover, which is also ongoing. There's like 359 chapters of it right now. Uh, that's a fun, I'm like 10, I'm 10 chapters in. I actually think I might continue reading that one and like finish it or get caught up. That is a, a shonen about a kid. Um, this is a magic world. When you're of a certain age, you go to this these like magic buildings, and they and if you, your magic ability, you are granted a grimoire that gives you spells that you can cast, right? Um, and as the and Autumn's giving me eyes because we're almost at forty minutes, but I promise I'm almost done. Um, the spells you can cast grow as you grow as a person. You get more stuff that comes in your grimoire. Um, Asta, main character, does not get a grimoire. They don't. It doesn't give him one. He has no magic power. So and it's then, like Encanto. Kind of, <laughs> but then later uh, he gets in a fight to defend his his friend who's getting who's about to be killed because his 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 like friend friendly rival right um, got a got the four leaf clover grimoire which is like a like the previous wizard king had one you know it's crazy like he's clearly got a lot of magical power someone's trying to steal it uh, Asta shows up to save him. And then a grimoire flies out of the building from the side. It's all charred. It has the black clover on it. And it is the anti-magic grimoire. So he still doesn't have any magic power. But the grimoire, he can pull a sword out of the grimoire that can either deflect or negate magic that's being cast towards him. And that's his whole gimmick. And then he joins like the magic knights, the black bulls. It's like rag, like the, the shittiest magic knights group. But they're like the, you know, they're like the heroes that comes to like, help people, right? Uh, and that's all. That's where I'm at. So yeah, I'm playing Destiny still. No other updates in the game department. The second movie we watched this week was What Happens in Vegas, which is a 2008 rom-com starring Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz. Something to note that I think is funny, and if you follow our Instagram you will have seen, is the movie poster for this film doesn't say Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz. It says, like, starring Ashton and Cameron. Like, you should already know who they are. No last names. <laughs> After getting married in Vegas and winning a large sum of money, Joy McNally and Jack Fuller are court-ordered to attempt to make their marriage work for six months in order for the court to decide how the money is going to be divided. Recently dumped Joy is homeless after breaking up with her fiance, so she moves into Jack's apartment. Throughout the movie, both characters try to get the other one to violate the court order so that all of the money goes to them. Of course, because it's a rom-com, they end up developing feelings for one another along the way and end the movie getting engaged after they have already been granted a divorce. I gave this movie three stars and Peter gave it a generous 1.5. It sucked. I didn't think it sucked. <laughs> I did not enjoy this movie almost at all. I think the best parts of this movie were Zach Galifianakis being Zach Galifianakis. He was very much like a hard side character, though. Uh -huh. He was not very present. Um, I think the concept of a... I, I've seen probably a few movies that feature an accidental Vegas wedding. Um, one of them being The Hangover, mm -hmm. um, which is a good movie. That's that's fun. Like it's actually like it's well done. The comedy pacing is very good. Um, whereas this movie, I thought was 
boring. I thought that the the pranks and like schemes they did to each other were far more hurtful than they were funny. Um, I thought that the whole concept of uh, oh we got married in Vegas, um, let's torture each other, uh, and instead of I don't know laughing, so the, the, they set it up so that they get married, and instead of just being able to like ah oh, well annul the marriage, this was a Vegas mistake. Um, they instead give Ashton Kutcher wins like a three million dollar jackpot on a slot. With a quarter that Joy had just given him. Yes. So they're both like, well, that was my quarter. I'm the one who pulled the slot. I was playing the slot machine before you were. That's why they are trying to divide up this money. Yeah. So they're, and the, so instead of it just being a whoops, it's a whoops, give me $1.5 million, essentially. I, I don't know. I just thought it was dumb. I don't particularly find Ashton Kutcher or Cameron Diaz very attractive. Um, they, they're they very generic-looking hot people to me. And that's very early 2000s, though, to have, like, you know, a standardly attractive brunette male with standardly attractive blonde female. I feel like so many... Of, of the older rom-coms are that way. If anything, I thought the relationship that Rob Corddry had with Lake Bell's character, um, Hater and uh, Tipper. Tipper, where she just hates him, and it's uh, that was funny. That was actually funny. Like, the, her reactions to him, like, she's a, she's a good actress, and he's a, he's a good comedy actor for the parts that he gets. Like he's, a bit, he's, he's a bit actor. He does, mm-hmm. like, stuff like this a lot. Um, and I thought that they were perfect. Like the two side characters were really good, and at the end, the little little cutscene or little like like mid credit scene we get where they're where they they they've come full circle from like visually hating each other to being like buddies, right? Um, and like you know shitting on Jason Sudeikis, who's also in this movie mm-hmm. as uh, rich ex boyfriend, rich hot ex boyfriend guy. Um, I mean, I don't know. I thought that they were very, they were more interesting as characters than our main characters. Were. And they were made extra interesting when we find, we see like un, undisclosed wedding footage at the end of the movie. We find out that Tipper and Hater are like having sex with each other during the ceremony. The ceremony, yeah. and they don't remember it, and they hate each other. So it was just like very funny. Um, yeah, I was I was interested that you were bored because firstly you didn't necessarily appear to be bored while we were watching um and also i didn't find this movie to be boring i thought it was dumb too but in a way i like very much had planned for and like was kind of looking for i was like in a early 2000s rom-com sort of mood um so i gave this a three which was pretty much what i expected to give it going into it um and there were parts of it that i thought were funny i do agree with Peter in that, like, the pranks were just mean. (laughs) So it was really hard. And it was hard to understand why they hated each other so much. And I didn't love the pacing of they hate each other to now they're in love. Like, it felt like there was a really, like, clear turning point that could have happened in the movie where they're, like, both throwing this party. He's, like, got all these... Um, Wall Street guys there. She invited a bunch of strippers. They're, like, trying to get each other to cheat on each other. And they both, like, 
don't want to be there and go in the, end up going in the bathroom and like having a beer together. And that could have been like the start of them starting to like each other. Yeah. And the whole movie would have been totally different. Um, but instead they fight and then they, they basically don't like each other until the very, very end of the movie, which doesn't, it doesn't make you want to root for them to get married necessarily yeah. because you're like, it's, it all just happened too fast. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I agree. I think the pacing is just, was just not good. You know, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't. The, for, for the for a solid supporting cast, Jason Sudeikis being Jason Sudeikis, um, Galifianakis, you know, mm-hmm. being the one of the like the funniest side character, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Rob Corddry and Lake Bell being like they're as like very like animated friends, mm-hmm. right? Um, that clearly have their own stuff kind of going on a little bit, but also in fashion that you pointed out are just constantly with their friends. Mm-hmm. Right, like that—that that whole like, don't you have anything else to do? Like, why are you hanging out with them all the time? That's an early two thousands rom com thing too. <laughs> Is there such stock characters? It's like, okay, well, you're the friend. You're a you're... shit lawyer who's kind of crude, and you're a um, socialite grown up who is now a bartender. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's like, okay, okay, cool. But like, I, I just think I thought like, the main characters were so they're so bland. Sorry, so bland. I'm, I'm being really too quiet for the mic. I just like it, it. Just yeah, I was bored. I was, I was bored because the main plot was boring. The the side stuff that I like, if you you know, if I was, I probably smiled at this movie a decent bit because the like the funny parts with the side characters. But like, if they were funny with the main characters too, I would have enjoyed it. You know, um, and I I didn't go into this wanting to hate it either. Like, this isn't one of those like ones where I have like a preconceived notion or anything like that. Like, I, or, like, I didn't, like, hear the description and go, oh, this is going to be ass, you know, because, like, we've, we watch a lot of rom-coms, and mm-hmm. I generally enjoy them, you know, and the only movies that I heard the, the thing and went, that's going to be ass, were, no offense to your sisters, but the two movies that your sisters picked out when they came over, those were both, like, Ah, uh, this is going to be that awful. Was purple Hearts and Not Okay. <laughs> which, fun awful. fact, is our most listened to episode yeah. of the podcast. Which is so sad, because those movies are don't deserve to like really be watched. Um, they're just so bad. I, I, yeah, I mean, can you think of anything else you want to say? Because like, I just, for me, I mean, and it wasn't, like, like I mean, and I, I can't, I can't say that it was like, the, the the thing that made this movie bad was just how bland it was to me. Yeah, I think I think the whole thing is the main characters are just like stock placeholder characters. Like you could have put any actor in there. It could have been, you know, any home Hallmark actor, um, and it would have been the same movie, essentially. Um, because like Joy's whole personality trait is that she just went through a breakup and she's a workaholic. And his personality is like he's lazy and he just got fired, and that's kind of like all the characterization we get for them. And then there's not any more characterization; they're just pulling pranks on each other, yeah. and then they get together in the end. How, how close to that '70s show is this? When was that '70s show? Was that in the '90s or was that in the early 2000s? Um, that's a great question. Do you I know don't off the top of your know. head? 
Um, because I want to know, Ashton Kutcher stopped getting work at some point, I think. Uh, maybe he hasn't. But, like, I mean, I... The man is still working. <laughs> the man is still working, but I, they don't put him in... He's not the lead in movies anymore, right? I, I, no, I picked this movie because he has a brand new one out. For real? With, um, with Reese Witherspoon on Netflix that people really love, but I was in, like, specifically in early 2000s. But what happens in Paris? Is it a... No, is it a... it's... Oh, uh, is is he, Your he Place or Mine. Um, oh, that one. That 70 shows, 1998. 1998. And this movie was... What did you say, 2004? 2008. 2008. Okay, so that's 10 years off of that 70s show. Well, no, the, that would have premiered in 1998. Yeah, right. So, how many seasons of that are there? Like... Eight. Eight seasons? Yeah. So that's like two years I off. I think of, eight. That's like two years off of when... Does he stop being in that 70s show at some point? Or is he one of those characters that's he always stays. around? He stays. He sticks around? Yeah. So yeah. like, this is this is very much riding the that 70s show like popularity for Ashton Kutcher. And he's not been like unpopular, I don't think, ever. He's done The Ranch. He is was he the on that 90s punk show guy? now. He was on Punked. Yeah. He was the, the man the has host. had work. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why people like think he's so attractive. He looks kind of goony. <laughs> but then again, I guess um, Keanu Reeves looked kind of goony and he still gets work constantly. He looked kind of goony. Now he's, and he can't act. Now he looks like a Chad but he, yeah, he, he he can he can physically act very well. It, it is yeah, the, the verbal stuff. Yeah, I wish they'd put him in silent movies. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, what, that's why John looks so good. He only talks a couple times. Most of it's just him doing action scenes. Oh my gosh. Um, I will say, this movie made me so thankful um, for Peter, and I am going to be a lot less uh, able to complain about his quote-unquote messiness, because compared to... Jack in this movie, Peter is a freaking neat freak. His, his apartment is disgusting. Oh and so many of the pranks are like that I think that was the saddest part for me. Um and the part that was like the hardest to to watch that was like not very funny was like she has to move in with this guy and he's just like so unwelcoming to her. Yeah, like he slovenly and like takes the door off the bathroom, which granted she kinda asked for because she is in the bathroom for a long time on purpose but he pees in the sink when it's full of dishes like it's just that's gross <laughs> <laughs> it just barked at the microphone oh my gosh um, yeah uh, yeah <clears throat> I thought it was entertaining but not at all memorable which is kind of where the three comes from although I have to say the more we talk about it the more it feels like a 2.5 I just I think it... I just I just found the humor to just be kind of distasteful. Also, I mean, it does suffer from the early two thousands problem of using terms. I'm so glad you that brought that we, up. That uh, we that we don't use anymore. Um, they make a lot of uh, R word jokes. It's it's homophobic. And it, it's it's not R word jokes. It's calling him. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, calling him the R word. Um, she calls him short bus at one point. Yeah. Which. Can't say that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was... There's some, like, homophobic allusions. Yeah, there was, there was some homophobic stuff in there. And it's just like a, it's like a man... That's... that Weird, cringe uh, stuff that we wouldn't no longer do like that is only, like... And I don't want to say it's forgivable, really. But it's only ignorable if the rest of the work is very good. 
this is also something we're going to probably get into next week um, for one of the movies we've watched already. Um, but, uh, and, and, like, and you can't ignore it if the movie's bad. And because yeah. the movie was not good, that stuff sticks out and it just makes it not hold up at all. Um, and for a movie that, that probably didn't hold up the year it came out. So that's it, it, pretty damning. Um, but yeah. Well, I'm sad because I suck at picking movies because Peter has not rated a movie I've picked um, for the last three picks. Awesome has been very picking well some all. lemons. Yeah, things are not. Um, what was the, what was the last ones? It was this. It was Enemy was really bad. Um, you didn't like Enemy either. No, Enemy was maybe the worst movie we watched all year. And that wasn't something you looked at and went, "This looks really good." That was something you pulled off of a list and went, eh, "Yeah, work. yeah." Spencer was the other one. Spencer, yeah. Couples Retreat was before that, which we gave three, but we had high expectations for it. Yeah, so. I, had, I had higher expectations for Couples Retreat than, than what we got. Who knows? Maybe I'm going to come back from the Taylor Swift concert, like, invigorated, able Maybe to... Maybe you'll be picking in, bangers. Inspired, ready you to pick, pick good movies. You gotta pick indie-er movies. Movies that are, like, 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 Changeland. It was like a... That was like a... This is probably going to be pretty good, but it's also an indie movie. Well, I didn't pick that one, so I don't no, know. No, I know. you got you got you to find... I picked Cha-Cha Real Smooth. That was really good. Yeah. Exactly. you got to pick more of those. The stuff that looks good, but also isn't wasn't designed to like make money in the theater, you know? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Keep telling me what to pick. We'll see hey, how that works out. I, you know, it, it worked out for Cha-Cha Real Smooth, a movie that you picked and we both really enjoyed, so, you know. Whatever. We're getting close to our, our mid-year um, interviews, no, which I'm really are. excited about. Shit. Once we're... once we hit, like, our first, we call them first 50 interviews, so once we hit movie 50, we'll do, like, a short episode of just Peter, a short episode of just me, and talk about, like, best movie, worst movie, you know. I'm, I'm really excited. I always love yeah. to do that. Um, if you want to know ahead of time what movies we've watched to prepare for the podcast episode, Peter posts on our Instagram, which is 5050filmspodcast. Um, on Mondays, there's a sneak peek for a movie. On Tuesdays, there's a sneak peek for a movie. And on Wednesday, there's a new episode alert post um, when the new episode comes out. So yeah. you can check us out there, and we will be back next week. See you then.